For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can see you. I'm uh, for those who might be new. I'm Tygen Layton, the Guiding Dharma Teacher at Ancient Dragons Zen Gate. Welcome, everyone. I've been speaking in the last month, and will continue in the next month, speaking about the uh, ten paramitas, sometimes translated as transcendent practices. Uh, I think a better translation is liberative practices. These uh, the paramita means to carry across to the other shore. So um, these are practices which help liberate beings and awaken beings and relieve suffering. So just as a review, the 10 are generosity, ethics, patience, energy or enthusiasm, samadhi or meditative stability, um, prajna, prajna paramita, the perfection of wisdom that's often translated as, and then skillful means, vow, powers, and today I'm going to speak by request about jnana paramita, knowledge. So knowledge is different from wisdom. We we sometimes think of wisdom as uh, involving a lot of learning and study and knowing a lot of things. But the paramitas, these these liberative practices, makes a distinction between wisdom and knowing. And again, the, the first six or some are often presented as a group, ending with prajna paramita, the perfection of wisdom or the practice of wisdom. Um, but knowledge is a separate one. And that's kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, prajna paramita, prajna might be better translated as insight. It's not wisdom based on a lot of book learning or study or uh, knowing a lot of stuff. It's uh, this kind of immediate, intuitive insight, seeing into. Uh, so, seeing is part of prajna, seeing into what is immediately in front of us in all the situations of our life and the world. That's different from jnana, jnana or knowledge. Uh, David Ray, uh, this is, uh, jnana is etymologically related to the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. How would you translate gnosis? Well, it means all the all the kinds of knowledge. You know, it's it's come to to mean that mystical kind of knowledge. But in Greek, it's just all the things that it's it's also the same as the English word know. Good to know. So that's what I want to talk about today: the practice of knowing, as opposed to the practice of wisdom or insight. So um, traditionally, in early Buddhism, uh, this referred to the Buddha's knowledges. Uh, 
the Buddha's knowledge of minds and thoughts of all of his uh, followers, and also knowledge of all of their past lives and knowledge of all their future lives. So the paramitas uh, are different depending on Buddhas or bodhisattvas. Uh, so uh, the Buddha's practice of paramitas is um, having super knowledges, having uh, super patience, super eth- ethical conduct, super generosity. Uh, but these are also bodhisattva practices, which is to say, Practices for all of us bodhisattva practitioners, which is all of us. So uh, what does it mean for us to do these practices? And uh, many sutras, uh, for example, the Avatamsaka Flower Ornament Sutra, talk about it this way. So um, uh, how do we, so the point is, how do we use our knowledge? How do we use our knowledge to benefit beings, to support awakening, to uh, help relieve suffering? So it's not about having ultimate knowledge. It's not about knowing what, you know, the stock market's going to look like tomorrow. It's not about, uh, uh, well, I you know, to know where all of you are, uh, I happen to know that there are people here from, uh, California, at least a couple, Ohio, Wisconsin. Um, and, uh, you know, on Zoom, we can see each, uh, for those of us who are visible on Zoom, we can see each other's space. And so, but, it, so, you know, that's a kind of knowledge. But this is more about um, how do we use knowledge? Or we could say it's about know-how. So there are, so many of you have uh, great uh, knowledge sets. I can see some of you who know a lot about healing, about uh, uh, friendship, about uh, many things, about the mind in terms of modern Western psychology. Um, how, but the point isn't, uh, you know, I mean, and, and, Partly, we're encouraged by our educational systems to know more and more. So uh, when we know things, how do we use that? How do we use that? You know, we could say at the service of prajna, of wisdom or insight, or at the service of helping to support awakening, helping to encourage practice, helping to encourage awareness and kindness and to help relieve suffering. So the point isn't just to know lots of stuff, um, but how do we take care of situations? How do we take care of material objects? How do we take care of events using the knowledge we have? And, you know, I can see that there's a lot of very knowledgeable people here. So what do we how do we develop our knowledge? How do we use it? Uh, so it's not the same as understanding. Of course, it's okay if you understand things. And part of not, part of jnana paramita is to, to know and understand many things. Um, but 
the goal of our practice is not understanding. Of course, understanding may be helpful, uh, but it's not about, uh, you know, for example, understanding all the Buddha sutras or understanding all, all the ways in which um, our uh, our technological systems work. Uh, it's okay if that happens. In fact, it can be helpful. How do we use that to help each other? So that's what this knowledge is about. It's okay if you understand, but the point is, how do we uh, share and spread awakening? How do we relieve suffering? That's that's the goal, period. And we can use all of these practices, these 10 practices, in the service of that. So, you know, I would translate it more as know-how. How do we know how things work? How do we know how situations can be helped? How do we know how to take care of uh, our our zendo and our practice and our connections? Uh, and then how do we use that? So uh, this, this uh, again, this practice of jnana is um, different from prajna. It's, there's an overlap, of course. So prajna paramita, the, these, this liberative practice of insider wisdom is often, you know, conf, conflated with knowledge. Uh, so uh, the, the great bodhisattva of wisdom or prajna is manjushri and uh, uh, students in schools in in East Asia will call on Manjushri to help them pass tests, for example, which is maybe more a matter of knowledge. But, you know, so there's an overlap, of course. And it takes some wisdom to know how to use our know-how to be helpful. So all of these 10 have a lot of overlaps. This this knowledge is related to skillful means. How do we know? Uh, how how do we know how to be skillful? I'll be talking about skillful means sometime in the next month. Skillful means is important. Uh, and it's not about knowing perfectly how to be helpful or skillful in uh, supporting awakening and supporting the relief of suffering, but knowledge helps that. So there's a lot of connections between these different uh, different. Uh, practices. I talked last week about patience. And of course, uh, patience supports knowledge and wisdom and vice versa. Generosity. How do we know what is generous in a particular situation? How do we know how to receive generosity? So uh, uh, knowing and book learning even and study, you know, this is all in the province of Jnana Paramita. But the point isn't just to accumulate knowledge of lots of stuff. The point is, how do we use it? How do we use our knowledge to help beings? So um, uh, I'm I'm interested in in discussions about uh, how you see knowledge and knowing and the helpfulness of knowledge and knowing. But I want to tell a couple of old Zen stories that are related to this. One of the great classical teachers 
uh, in Chan or Zen is Fayan, Hogan in Japanese. And he once went to his teacher and said, I'm about to go out on pilgrimage. And his teacher said, you know, and pilgrimage is what a practice that was was part of the tradition where that when uh, a practitioner had studied, worked, uh, practiced for a while with their teacher, they would go off and wander around. And in China, that meant walking around to different temples, to different mountains, to different, to see different teachers uh, to uh, help develop their knowledge and wisdom. Uh, so this kind of pilgrimage was a common practice. And it's actually, you know, was a practice in Japan and it's a practice here in America. I see many of you who have practiced with other teachers or in other traditions. And that's great. That's That supports both wisdom and knowledge. Anyway, Fayan said, I'm going off on pilgrimage. And his teacher said, what's the purpose of your pilgrimage? And Fayan said, I don't know. And his teacher said, not knowing is nearest or not knowing is most intimate. So there's a lot of Zen where not knowing is is uh, kind of emphasized, <laughs> uh, contrary to this jnana paramita, this, per, this liberative practice of knowledge. Um, for example, Sung San Sunim, who was a great Korean teacher who came to America, and we have people in our sangha who studied with Sung San Sunim or in his in his lineage. He uh, he would his slogan was only don't know. So uh, this is kind of helpful in terms of our um, Western priority of accumulating knowledge, <laughs> knowing how to do lots of things. And uh, that also brings more reward and merit and, and increased reputation and so forth. So, uh, you know, we're kind of trained to know a lot of things or we're encouraged to know a lot of things to get good grades in school and so forth, or to know many, uh, many kinds of activities and, and crafts and so forth. But in Zen, there's this emphasis on not knowing. However, I want to tell another story, which you've probably all heard, or many of you have heard, um, that undercuts this. So this is a story about the great uh, Chan Master Zhaozhou, so Zhaozhou never founded a school. Fayan founded one of the five houses of Chan, one of the five, five early uh, lineages of, of Chan Buddhism in China. Uh, Zhaozhou never did because he, his, his lineage, his, his teaching was so great that none of his disciples could really go beyond it and master it. Or, you know, so his lineage died out, but he's actually part of all of the Zen lineages. Uh, so, uh, uh, Zhaozhou, this is a story about when Zhaozhou was just a student before he became a great master and he lived to be 120, it's verified historically, so he had a lot of time to teach, but when he was a student, he studied with another great master called Nanchuan or Nansen Zhaozhou in Japanese is Joshu some of you may have heard heard of him by that name, anyway, this is a story that, that we talk about a lot, Zhaozhou went to his teacher, Nanchuan, and said, 
what is the way? What is the Tao? So Tao is the, the uh, word for Taoism, a, a great a spiritual tradition in China, but it's also used as um, a, a kind of metaphor for or, or uh, a synonym for awakening in, in the Buddhist uh, tradition. So the way implies some some path. The way it can be translated as a path. And so, how you know, what is the way? What is the path? How do I awaken? This is a basic question. And uh, uh, Nanshuan said, everyday mind, ordinary mind is the way. So um, nothing special, as Suzuki Roshi said, just ordinary everyday mind is the way. Oh, Zhao Zhao thought. Well, then he said, well, how do I get to that? How do I approach it? <laughs> he was a good student. He wanted to know, you know, he wanted to know <laughs> how to get to ordinary everyday mind. And Nanshuan said, uh, and again, I know many of you have heard this story before, but Nanshuan said, the more you try and approach it, the further away you get. So this is in line with our Soto tradition of not trying to uh, achieve or gain or, you know, gain merit or, or get material goods. Um, uh, our, our tradition is uh, radically uh, contrary to consumerism and trying to gain and gain and gain lots of stuff. Uh, spiritually or materially. Anyway, Nanshuan said, uh, the more you try and get, get, approach it, the more you try and get a hold of it, the further away you get. And Zhao Zhao, uh, again, a great teacher and a great student, he said, well, then how do I know if it's the way or not? (laughs) He said, how do I know (laughs) if it's the way or not? And Nanshuan then um, provided a critique of knowing and not knowing. He said, Nanshuan responded, knowing is just a kind of illusion. Not knowing is kind of indifference or can be. So, or not caring. So knowing is an illusion, even when we know lots of stuff. And there are, again, there are people here uh, today who know many things about, you know, some areas of, of uh, life. <laughs> um, but part of this not knowing is, is uh, an illusion is that there's a limitation to what we can know. There are uh, physical limitations, limitations of human awareness, of human uh, intelligence, of human knowing. So, Knowing is kind of an illusion, but not knowing it can be just indifference or not caring. Then uh, Nanshuan went on to say, if you reach, when you reach the true way beyond doubt, the true Tao, beyond doubt, it is vast and open as the sky. How could it be a matter of affirming or negating anything? So uh, this this question of of knowledge, of knowing things is kind of subtle. It's not a matter of just accumulating knowledge. 
about how many books you've read or whatever, you know. Um, and again, it's not it's not a bad thing to know a lot about something or many things, but um, it's not the point. It's not the point of our practice. And, and accumulating great wisdom is not the point of our practice either, I would say. The point of our practice is just how do we share this wisdom, which comes from all 10 of these uh, liberative practices. How do we help beings to awaken? How do we help beings to help other beings to awaken? How do we relieve suffering in the world and in our own lives and in our sangha and so forth? So uh, what's the point? What's the purpose? What is the meaning of knowing? What is the meaning of wisdom? What's the meaning of generosity? How do we, what is our intention for giving and receiving? Uh, this is the point. So, um, you know, uh, uh, I was talking about the difference between Buddha's practice of paramitas and uh, bodhisattva practice. Uh, this uh, practice of knowledge is very similar in, a way, in that way to the, pra- the ninth practice. So the nana is the tenth, which is bala or powers. And for Buddhas, this refers to um, power of of seeing seeing all things, the power of uh, escaping from suffering and samsara, the power of helping to awaken beings, and so forth. But as a bodhisattva practice, as a, as a practice that uh, that we do as bodhisattva practitioners. The practice of power is how do we use our abilities? So each of you has things you know. Each of you has abilities that you have. How do you use those for the benefit of all beings? So this uh, 10th practice of jnana is, is very similar in that way to the practice of bala or powers. So, uh, you know, sometimes people think if they read a lot of Buddhist texts or they um, they go to a lot of Buddhist lectures or talks or whatever, that then they will become awakened. <laughs> and uh, Prajnaparamita, the practice of insight and wisdom, which in some ways is the ultimate of these 10, is about uh, how do we just see what is here in front of us? How do we see who we are, how do we see how it feels? How does it feel to be who you are? As we sit in Sazen, we settle into the self that we imagine we are, the self that we are that is connected to all self, to all being. How do we use that? It's not a, so this goes back to skillful means. How do we support awakening? How do we support kindness? How do we share that together? How do we support Sangha? So knowing about that is the ultimate knowledge, actually. Knowing about how to use knowledge is really the ultimate transcendent liberative knowledge. So it may be very helpful if you know many things, if you know a lot about healing, or if you know a lot about uh, kindness or compassion, or if you know a lot about many things that many of you do know, um, 
But anyway, what, what's the point? What, how do we use this? So that is the question underlying it. So um, maybe that's as much as I need to say about this. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I'm interested in hearing your responses, your reflections, your considerations of uh, knowledge and and uh, how it works and what it means and how do we use it and so forth. So uh, comments, questions, reflections, uh, please feel free. So uh, David Ray, would you help me call on people online or in the room at Lincoln Square? Yes, indeed. Uh, Joanne has her hand up, I think. Good morning. Hi, Joanne. I, um, I think for many years confused beliefs as knowledge. And I've been learning to differentiate those. And um, it's tricky. <laughs> it's very tricky. The things we learn through life and the things we learn in traditional cultural ways that are called knowledge. Um, and how do we find our own truth? Uh, truth is probably different for each of us, but most of the time it's realizing we don't know and just observing what's happening around us in the moment and also figuring out if you want to um, participate in what's going on in the moment and how. And um, deciding how to use your words and speak your truth for the benefit of others. It's a practice. Yes. Thank you. Very good. Yes. So belief, uh, part of knowledge is to know uh, the beliefs we have. Uh, part of our practice is, you know, so there are beliefs we have that we, um, we know what they are, but I think we have a lot of unconscious beliefs too. We have a lot of assumptions about reality and truth that we don't aren't necessarily clear about. So to know what we believe and then to question it. So part of knowledge is questioning. Part of knowledge is going deeper. That's also part of prajna. But uh, what's the point of this? What is where do where does this belief come from? How do we not uh, set up our beliefs as separate from others' beliefs and and attack people who believe something different from us? How do we understand how our belief system, and as much as that is part of us, um, is not separate from other people's belief system? You know, there's a lot of problem in the world from people thinking what that what what I believe is the best. And if you believe something else, then, you know, you're not really human or something like that. So there's a lot of hate and violence in the world because of that. So yes, thank you. Uh, Joanne, it's a, it's a practice. That's right, and and um, you know that's a real it's a it's a good it's a real good question. 
what is truth that's related to this? Is there one truth? Are there many truths? Is there one truth that includes the many truths? So this is something to uh, investigate. (laughs) So thank you very much. Other comments, questions, responses? Sure, in the Zendo, I might not see you, so please just speak up. Um, question. Eve has a question, and I think I can. Yes, there, there's Eve. Yes. Hi, Eve. So, where, where is curiosity in all that? Curiosity. Um, yeah, well, that's part of, um, I guess it's how we develop knowledge. It's also prajna, prajna is curiosity. Uh, insight, wisdom is to uh, ask questions, to question our beliefs, to question uh, what do we know, to question what's in front of us. How do we see? So prajna is about seeing and uh, curiosity, requ- and this requires curiosity. Uh, that's maybe another word for uh, what we call wisdom in Buddhism, to uh, look into what is going on to be curious about what's going on. That's how we develop knowledge and and wisdom. So, yes, thank you. That's an important part of all this. I I have a comment. Oh, I'll get to, hi. Thank you, Tiger. You know, <clears throat> this seems to intersect a lot with skillful means. Yes. I, uh, you know, of how to be helpful. And I just, you know, I've been reflecting on this video I saw in the New York Times recently called The Benevolence. I don't know if anybody's seen this. Deborah's uh, saying yes. Called The Benevolence. It's in uh, the opinion video section of the New York Times. It's in black and white, and it's people learning how to respond on a crisis line in Montreal, where they just listen and respond in an active way. And it's a very beautiful illustration. There's nothing about Zen in this, but there's this sense of people learning, helping each other learn, and learning how to respond to people in great suffering and provide relief, which I think is what this Parmita business is all about. So I just thought I'd make a plug for that about how inspiring it is to see these people who, you know, volunteer to learn how to be helpful and to learn about responding to deep suffering. Um, So that's my plug for the benevolence. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, Hogetsu. So that sounds a lot like, you know, we have many people in our Sangha who are who work or have trained as uh, chaplains, and that's kind of their job to go into a situation of, of suffering. So, so um, yeah, this is uh, this is how we. This is also how we learn. You know, it's by trying out, uh, by by testing. Uh, he said curiosity, but it's also questioning and testing our uh, ability, speaking of skillful means, to be able to uh, be helpful and what we know, what we think we know, 
which is never the whole story. Our knowledge is limited as just as a phenomenal particular human beings, but how do we use that? So thank you very much, Hoganson. Other I'd like to follow up a little too, so I can um, go ahead. Yes, like, you know, feeling listened to, and being and able to listen. You know, I know some of us in here have spent time uh, in monastic practice at San Francisco Zen Center, and one of the things that I've been really grateful for is you feel listened to. That there's a stopping, that there's a training even to stop and actually listen. And I wonder if other people have had that experience in here of actually feeling like, oh, somebody actually is listening, engaging in uh, this active process with me and not trying to Mm. manipulate the situation. So I think there's something so deep about this topic. So thanks. Yes. Thank you. Yes. This is what Sangha is about on, on all kinds of levels and, and our current exploration of how to, fully engaged Sangha and our new Zendo and with all the people on Zoom too. So uh, how do we integrate that? Yes, thank you, Hooket. So other comments about that or anything? I have a comment. I, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about... Is this my... Kathy? Yes. Hi. Hi, Tigan. I didn't hear it. I was thinking about knowledge and um, in, in a way it applies to us as a group right now. We're in a new situation. We've been going over practices. Uh, memos are going around. Uh, things haven't been truly completely established yet, but there are things to know, like uh, when to sit down and when to stand up and when to uh, how what time to be here and uh, when to bow. And um, there's a lot of details. And I was just thinking how that, if we all know it, there's certain things that when you share knowledge, it creates a kind of a vessel that you can do things within it. Then we can share something bigger than ourselves when there's certain things that we know and we agree on and this is going to be our I don't know create some kind of a form that we work within um, I think that's useful it's it's very different than the other kind of knowledge we're talking about um, which is of course hugely important but I just thought that's kind of a mundane thing that allows a group to process as a group, uh, which has to do with, with knowledge. I would say it's not mundane. It's very deep. And we're challenged now because of um, the pandemic and our experience of Zoom, which you know, there are many people here with me on Zoom, as well as all the people in our new wonderful Zendo in Lincoln Square. Um, how do we, uh, so discover is another word related to Eve's question about curiosity. How do we discover how to fully integrate all of this, knowing how to um, practice together? 
and and seeing the, the the scope of that when we have people a dozen people in the Zendo and Lincoln Square and then people from New Mexico and Wisconsin and California and all these people here on Zoom. Uh, how do we practice together in Ohio? Um, so it's this is a this is uh, a huge challenge for sangha now, not just our sangha, but all sangha. How do we uh, practice with how practice with the question of how do we share all this together? So thank you. I really like Kathy's comment uh, because it brings me, it, it helps me be in the group um, and helps me understand that um, practices that I don't particularly like still uh, help me to stay within uh, what we're doing in the Sangha. And that is a form of knowledge, I think, that uh, I've just turned into a piece of wisdom. But, you know, the thing that I thought about immediately when you talk about knowledge versus wisdom is, of course, the enormous knowledge that we have gained in the last, um, I would say, four decades. Well, it's mm -hmm. actually... Oh, actually, it's uh, seven decades uh, uh, about how the world works, about mm -hmm. physics and astronomy and where we are. And people, uh, there's a lot of addiction to knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, we've got to know the next thing. We've got to know... For example, where is the next universe? This doesn't seem to be the only one. Or, um, you know, how far can you get into the structure of the atom uh, that you'll never learn everything or that you'll never know everything? And um, uh, the, the more people question, and we've heard this many times, the more answers you find, the more questions you get. And I think this is a matter of people becoming addicted to learning more and more and more or developing some wisdom about what we can and cannot know. Um, and also, it's very interesting to me that people who are aware of um, a lot of things about physics and the universe and so on come to two completely different kinds of wisdom that are opposed to each other. Um, of course, what I'm thinking about is, which I'm always thinking about, is that we all know, I think now, that Illinois has more nuclear power plants than any other state. We have almost as many as Ukraine. And plus the ones in Wisconsin and, and uh, Michigan that are just 
near the lake or across the lake or very close to us. And the wisdom that comes from that seems to be contradictory. Some people think we just need more, and other people think we need to shut them down. Hmm. And um, so it's, I'm just throwing that out as something that seems to be unresolved. Uh, thank, thank you, Jan. Not uh, like, but like a lot of people. Well, just to say, I, uh, my opinion is that we should get rid of all of this nuclear energy. Um, I know other people here don't agree with that. Uh, so that's just my opinion. But um, yeah, this is relate. The, the, the basic point you're making, or one of the points you're making, is that si- it's about science. Science has been a wonderful tool. And yet, it's not exactly the knowledge of the Buddha who knows everything, supposedly, who's omnipresent and, and omniscient. And uh, so uh, science is a, is a wonderful method of learning more, getting more and more knowledge. And then wisdom is about how, how do we use that knowledge? And you gave some examples of, you know, there's exam- many, many other examples, too, of how our technology, all of the wonderful things we know how to do now, sometimes are not, it's not helpful. So uh, that's a, a good example of how do we balance knowledge with insight and clarity about the implications of it. So thank you. Can um, I do one follow-up? It'll just be short. Please. Um, I've always thought that the discovery of the structure of the atom was one of the greatest accomplishments of human beings. But then look what we did with it. That knowledge of the structure and then the lack of wisdom in dealing with that knowledge. Yes. And part of the wisdom about that is that we can see that the structure of an atom is very similar to the structure of our solar system with elect- the, pl- the electron planets circling the nucle- sun nucleus. And that actually that same structure applies to the structure of the galaxy, as I understand it. That uh, galaxy is a swirling uh, mass of things circling around a central, I don't know what, I don't think the scientists know what. I don't know if it's a black hole or whatever. And that maybe our universe is circling around many other universes. Anyway, to see how these patterns of what we know uh, stretch widely is part of what Buddhism talks about a lot. Anyway, thank you, Jan. Uh, That's very helpful in terms of talking about the difference between knowledge and wisdom, all of that. Uh, We have time for... uh, you know, a couple more responses, maybe. Uh, anybody else have a reflection or thought or question? Hi, Tiger. It's Ruben. Hi, Ruben. It's good to see you. I, uh, when we were last talking about this, I was reflecting on how uh, I really had a hard time seeing what knowledge has to do with our path. Of the spiritual path, mm. and um, 
like my 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 conception of the path is, has been shaped a lot by Kenneth Wilburn, you know, growing up, cleaning up, waking up, and showing up. Uh, and uh, for me, that's about <laughs> discovering I'm a whole person as I am, and then dealing with my karma, and then discovering the the context of my life, and then helping. Right. So, but. Thank you. It really, it really helps me see how uh, how knowledge is the key to showing up. <laughs> how how that that's that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Um, and uh, of course, from the, the cycles again when we discover when I when I learn that I need to know more. Um, that my uh, when I learn that I need to know more, right? Uh, how and then once again cycle through. Okay, reground, um, clean up some more. Hmm. Wake up a little more and try again. Um, so that, anyway, my point is just thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, the things we know help us to can help us to practice, or they can be used um, as tools of conflict and and, uh, div- and separation. Other any other. Last uh, comments, questions, responses. Please feel free. Sure. Um, thank you for your talk, Tygen. And uh, what I'm thinking about is, uh, it seems like there's a there's a central teaching in our realm of Buddhism around not knowing being sort of um, primary. That there's like an emphasis on that kind of humility of acknowledging like the, I guess, all of the unknowns. Um, and it seems to, like this comes up, this came up around like um, patience as well, that there's like, for me, there's like a tension between, it seems like sort of the call to like humility and like waiting that is like fundamental to like the wisdom of our practice. Um, But then also the reality of like living in the world and needing to have a sort of confidence to act um, in the face of these sort of teachings that speak to the fundamental unknowing um, that sort of implies like, well, like how can you do anything if, (laughs) if, not knowing is the reality that you live in, that we all live in. Um, and so I guess, uh, I don't know if you can provide any kind of a thought on just like that tension that seems to be so, um, present in the way we're taught and trained in Buddhism. Thank you. Yes. Um, So uh, part of the practice of knowing is to know what we don't know. Uh, So there's a, there's a, an interesting tension dialogue, um, mutual support between knowing and not knowing. Um, If we know, if we understand, if we have some sense of the limitations of our knowing, we can use the things we know uh, more skillfully, more helpfully. 
if we think we know it all, <laughs> then there, you know that that then there's no more conversation. There's no more. There's no more. No point. There's no more investigation. There's no more curiosity. There's no you know. Uh, so um, people who know it all about some topic, um, <laughs> who can explain everything about some topic. Uh, don't see the things they don't know about it and cut off this inquiry. So the inquiry or the questioning is really important. And this is where knowing and not knowing are really partners so that we can develop the things we know to be more beneficial by not, by knowing that we don't know, we cannot know some things and then, and then learn so education is an interesting part of Buddhism. What is it that we are trying to learn or study? You know, uh, Dogen says very, very regularly, do you really know this? Please study this more. <laughs> uh, so how do we, um, how do we learn in a way that's not just accumulating facts or so-called facts so that we are the you know the most knowledgeable person in in a particular area so this knowing and not knowing are actually partners thank you and just a quick follow-up do you feel like what any of the paramitas speak to kind of like faith given that we are always acting in a kind of like ignorance like we don't i mean we can embrace our not knowing but sooner or later you have to trust that even in your not knowing there's a way to move yeah they're all about faith our whole practice is about faith not faith in the sense of beliefs or belief systems but but trust so part, so what Zazen is about is settling more deeply into this deeper awareness of um, being alive and trusting something. It's not belief in some super being or belief in some super doctrine. It's, it's uh, trusting that we're alive and that we have the opportunity to be caring and helpful and aware and kind. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm just looking at the list of uh, the 10. And, you know, I would say they're all about faith in that wider sense, confidence in that wider sense. Uh, the practice of vow or commitment is one where we particularly uh, express our trust and faith. So uh, maybe I'll speak about that uh, next month uh, in one of them, one of the talks. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, that's a it's a good point because all of these depend on kind of deeper confidence and trust in reality. So thank you. Yeah, I there might be time for one more comment. So please, if you have something you wanted to say or ask or respond to, please feel free. One follow-up comment. Uh, I was, was this? Kathy. Oh, hi, Kathy. Uh, just a, I was thinking about knowing and not knowing and 
thinking back about Hagesu's comment about the benevolence and mm -hmm. response to other people who are in a situation that we're not in. Um, and I was thinking that's a dynamic situation where sometimes we have to be open to thinking we know something about a situation and realizing that we don't know. And so uh, that ability to know things, but yet be flexible to become aware of times when uh, our knowledge is not sufficient to uh, understand fully something and that we have to be open to learning. That's a dynamic <coughs> process that uh, is part of all this, I think. Thank you. Yes, there's a process here. And, and partly it's to know what we do know as well as to know what we don't know. So we all have skill sets and knowledges that can be helpful and that we can share to be helpful uh, as long as we don't think we know all of it. <laughs> so thank you very much.